Welcome back to the State of Education with Melvin Adams for part two of our interview with Vincent Parathingle. Today, Vincent discusses the need for quality public schools, a commodity that assures access to the American dream for everyone, regardless of socioeconomic status. How can public education retain its value? Vincent encourages parents to step up to the plate and take action to ensure quality education continues. All entrepreneurs are problem solvers, and uh, I try to be that way. Uh, our whole focus with No Webster Education Foundation, it's the goal is to be problem solving uh, in the whole field of education because there are fantastic things that are going on in education, and then there are some real problems, some of them very, very basic, just as some of the things that you've been speaking about today uh, that, you know, are not terribly complicated, but just need more attention, need uh, the right focus put on them, uh, more awareness, seeing what the opportunities are. And certainly that's true in STEM education. It's also true in just basic career type education because um, the reality is you, you talked about governments and government jobs and government systems where, like you said, you know, if you're a PhD, you need this. If you're master's, you need more experience or et cetera. You know, uh, the same thing is true, you know, for the last number of years, the whole educational system in this country has been driven toward getting advanced degrees and higher and higher education. Why? Because it's about, you know, selling education uh, to the American public. Uh, unfortunately, while, while that's a wonderful thing, and I'm glad that we have such great access to good education, but unfortunately, a lot of times students and individuals spend a whole lifetime studying and never really become achievers because they're just drinking the Kool-Aid and going after whatever program is being thrown at them and they're offered some kind of a scholarship or some kind of this or that, uh, or, you know, and they're pursuing things where in reality, um, you know, if a focus was truly made on two fronts, first of all, what is a person's skill set? What is their natural inclination and exactly. giftedness and interest? Um, I believe that knowing that uh, is critical because people from a very early age, and I, it is true that people like what they know. So for example, if somebody gets started very early studying mathematics or reading, um, you know, they like that, not because it's not, it is natural now, but it wouldn't have been natural if they had not been introduced to it early and been disciplined to actually get those skills. And so, but with that same thing in, in mind, you know, there are some people are very much in a, in a mechanical type of, uh, you know, aptitudes. Others are more, you know, not so much that way, or, you know, they're different areas that people have interests and focus on. So, but by equipping them, and it's not about how much education you get, it's about having the right training so that you actually have the skills for, for the essential work today, but not only that, so that you are a life learner in a given area and you can grow with whatever that industry is. So, um, anyway. 
one thing I wanted to, I mean, you mentioned about, uh, we mentioned about um, um, the technology, math, education, which is, uh, uh, you know, one area, the basic math arithmetic. Yes. Starting yeah. from early on, you know, becoming very strong in the fundamentals and knowing facts by heart. Like if somebody asks a, a sixth, seven-year-old, what is four times three? You should be able to 12, uh, say 12 without really thinking. That's what I'm yes. saying about this repetitive learning. And right. the same thing is true in English learning also. So as a person who is uh, heavily interested in education, I started understanding and started realizing why the Indian, I mean, in the Indian system of phonics-based and arithmetic repetitive learning-based education is producing a lot more um, good, uh, basic, uh, good learners um, from the beginning compared to the whole world reading in America that is being practiced almost all over the place. And now people are starting to realize the phonics is the way to go, not the whole world concepts. So these are yeah. fundamental things, but we need policy changes for these things to penetrate the society. So the policy change is what is not happening, even though there are experts who understand what exactly has gone wrong in American education. Sure. Well, that's very interesting. So. So you were in your post that I saw, you were concerned about some matters impacting education in Virginia. Would you care to speak about them and why they matter to you and other parents? Yes, um, you know, when you talk about um, the minority achievement gap, um, the, the poorer sections of the society, uh, I don't consider them minority. They are just poor, they don't have the resources to send their children to wherever other people are sending their children for this supplemental education to compensate for the schools. So when I'm talking about Asian parents, I clearly know weekends, they go to these extra programs and after the class, they go to these extra programs. That's where they pick up what is not available in the system. Mm -hmm. um, like what I said, the repetitive arithmetic learning and basic English. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, the, uh, phonics-based English, where they become better with their vocabulary and stuff early on. So we already know how these Asian parents are doing this. It's very clear. Across the nation, all cities, all suburbs, wherever Asians are, they're doing way better than even white population there. So why are we keep on talking about black versus white? Because Asians are doing better than white, and Asians are mostly immigrants. They came from somewhere. They didn't bring any privilege. They didn't bring any kind of uh, extra advantage than the locals, but they're doing better. Yes, they definitely work hard, as I said, because they're more driven. But how about the children? They're also doing better because we expose them to these kind of learning techniques. So if we know this, that this is what is required for the entire society, for the uh, poorer sections of society to come up, then why don't we incorporate those common sense techniques into public schools? Yes. Because yes. public schools are so important. It's so critical. I studied in public schools in India. You know, um, I didn't go to private schools where I pay a lot of money. My parents were not rich to do that. They were just middle class people. Government job, um, ordinary middle class people. We went to ordinary schools. But I got good, good education because those schools were providing good education there. And I came here. I mean, my engineering degree was from a public institution in India. I came here, I went to University of Nevada, Reno. Again, reasonable fees. I have my master's degree. And I lived here. All my children went to Fairfax County Public Schools. 
and the University of Virginia, all public institutions, and my wife too, same thing, all public institutions. So these public institutions, quality public institutions, make the ordinary people like me, the middle class people like me, to you know to to cross over to the next you know uh, phase of our life into more abundance and more success and more uh, more results. And we we can do now whatever we want because we are now into that. Uh, next level in our finances, in our economics. And this is all possible because of good public schools. So these good public schools are supposed to understand what needs to be done for this minority children. And But instead of doing that, what the system is telling is to take from the Asian Americans who are successful and thinking that they're just stealing it from somewhere or whatever, they're trying to distribute it by artificially reducing uh, Asian population and increasing the Hispanic African-American population by removing merit-based tests and stuff like that. What is it going to do? It's going to make our system further weak. We are already weak in STEM. I explained with my you know, uh, knowledge in the field. And we are making it further weak by removing the, uh, the incentives to become good in STEM and good in English or whatever at the early age. And you're punishing Asian children and you started calling them, they're not colored people anymore. They're different because they're doing better than white. Why they do better than white? Why can't we think beyond the skin color and try to understand that root cause and try to repeat it for the other communities? So the school boards across the country are not doing it. They're playing politics with, with this uh, discrepancy. And that is where feeling the ordinary citizens have to step up to you know get into these school boards of influence so that we can try to influence the policy and we can make change happen so that is one of my primary interest i am uh, i think a good public school system is so essential for america to remain on the cutting edge and to be the leader of the world because Rich is a very small percentage. They can send their children to private schools. But if you don't take care of the middle class, middle class is dependent on public schools. And if you take the public school quality away, the middle class is what is going to suffer. And the minority children are going to suffer the most. Because Asian Americans, they may cut more from their uh, life luxuries and still maybe you know try to send their children to private schools to get the best, better education. But then people who cannot afford it in no chance, they will be the one who will be falling apart, falling down. So I think that is where my interest in public education and to make sure that these systems that can be a way lot better if we come together and if we analyze the issues and problems with a rational mind, without emotions and without politics. So that is why I recommend uh, a quality upheaval you know, uh, in the public education across the country. Um, what I'm hearing you say is that, um, I'm not sure if you actually said it this way, but I'm going to paraphrase a little, um, too often we see our school systems dumbing down education. 
since the goal is good scores, if students are not getting good scores, then they lower the, the demands of education so that the students can get good scores. And if that happens in a repetitive cycle, what happens is instead of challenging students toward excellence, there is this the, the process of lowering overall standards to a norm and then lowering it again to the new norm because the reality is people, students always achieve in large part based on expectations. And so if the expectations are high, schools that have high expectations almost always get better graduates and better results. Um, and so what I'm hearing you say is that what schools need to be doing is instead of lowering standards or pitting one group against another uh, in some of this critical race theory stuff that's going on these days, um, what needs to be done is the focus needs to be made that everybody, every student should have equal opportunity. How do we create equal opportunity? We create equal, equal opportunity by providing those remedial and supplemental things that if a parent will put their child in there and if, if they will do that, that child will get up to a higher level, which ultimately will make that child more successful, which will get the better scores, which will get at the end of the day, scores are not the main thing. The real thing is that knowledge base and that wisdom base that they can become great citizens and great uh, part of our workforce and our creativity and, uh, you know, really make a better society and culture. And so what I think I'm hearing you say is that schools need to be focusing not on just producing scores and however we got, have to do to fluctuate our education in order to make sure that everybody passes and everybody gets good scores. We focus on setting good standards that we want for our society and our communities and then supplementing things so that, so that parents have opportunity to get their kids in those supplemental programs, especially those who are in need of them so that they can do those remedial things, learn those particular things that can help them succeed. No, that is, uh, you um, summarized uh, it eloquently. But uh, one thing that I would say, the supplemental part, I was not looking for um, the need for supplemental education. I really want to see that uh, that education, what we are talking about, that is going to get from the supplemental programs are brought into the public school system so that nobody has to spend on this supplemental education. Uh, that is a difference from what you know you just explained, you know what I am what I am suggesting. What I think is, uh, we already have success stories uh, from communities that are doing well, and we wanted to learn something from them, mm -hmm. how they do it. It's easily available. It's among our midst. And then instead of uh, talking about them as uh, somebody who is kind of naturally destined to do that, try to understand what they do, what exactly is happening, and then try to have a critic on our existing system so that we can change enough in our education system 
to make sure that we incorporate those things so that everybody benefits. Mm -hmm. Okay, I understand. I understand. So you're a parent. You are also a business owner, um, and so for these reasons, you have a lot of interest in developing our schools, making sure they're successful. Because our as go our schools, go our whole workforce and our whole society. And so you have become quite outspoken and active as an individual. Um, what would you say to other parents and business leaders out there? Um, how, how would you encourage them to positively engage uh, with their schools and in their communities to make things better? Uh, definitely, we have to pay more attention to what's going on around you. Um, before uh, I ran for school board in 2019, I didn't quite understand how these bodies operate. I was very active in my children's schools, like the PTA and things, you know, that happens in the school. Yeah. But I didn't know where the money is coming from, who is funding it, what's a federal role, what's a state role. I have no clue. So uh, once I started understanding it, then I realized that, yes, we can make change happen if you get control of these bodies, you know, like ordinary citizens. Uh, if they, if ordinary parents... Uh, are sitting on these boards, then whatever they do will be in the best interest of the children, the society, the community. But what we do is we become too busy with our own regular day-to-day -day things and we don't pay attention. And when it comes to elections and things like that, we pay more attention to the federal elections, the president, the Senate, and the Congress. And whatever they do and decide, yes, they have implications, but at the same time, not on your kitchen table issues, like your children's education and what they study and how their job you know, prospects are and how your business is. So we have to pay more attention to what's happening locally. So I see that only about a third of population vote in Virginia in this off-year elections, when all these votes are on, on the ballot. That is a pity. That is, you know, that is not absolutely acceptable. That is, it should change. There should be more people committed to this. So we have to pay attention. We have to know what's going on. We should not wait until something just boil over, like what is doing now, the critical race theory or whatever. We should know before these things come. And for that, we need to become active in the, you know, the PTAs to begin with. And then you have to know, you know where the PTAs go, where all the PTA leaders from different schools get together. So the parental input has to be uh, the primary uh, driving force for the school boards to operate, not any politics coming from uh, Washington DC or from, from Richmond or from anywhere else. What exactly the parents in your community wants, that's what the school boards, that's what the leaders in the, in the system should be doing. That's not happening because we don't demand it. As ordinary citizens, we just maybe too lazy, we are not paying attention and we just let them do. Maybe it is again complacency. We thought that these guys are going to do a good job but when we realize that they are not doing a good job, then we jump in. But then maybe a generation is lost in that process. So that is why it is very important for us to be uh, engaged in what's happening around you, especially in your schools. That's, that's great advice. Thank you. So I want to just add one other thing for those who may be watching and not be aware of it. Uh, on the Noah Webster Educational Foundation website, which is N 
wef.org, O-R-G. Uh, there's a section there where people, regardless of where you are in this country, you can go there and you can learn about your state's educational system. You can learn about your constitution and what the constitution says about education in your state, the structure of the education in your state, the laws regarding education in your state, uh, you know, the processes where people, whether people are elected to certain offices, whether they are appointed to certain offices, and that varies from state to state and even board to board. And so all of that information you can get on our website, uh, we encourage parents and community members to be engaged in their schools, public schools, private schools, uh, the homeschooling community. Ultimately, this is all about making education better in this country, making our country better because of it, our families and our society better. And uh, so we are encouraging people to be proactive and working hard to make a better education. So there's ways you can get involved. Um, if you're not happy with what's going on, you may or may not be the right person to be on a school board, but maybe you should explore it. Uh, there's things you can learn. There are things that you, you know, are you the right person for that kind of a job? Uh, and if so, how do you go about it? And so there's these kind of things that uh, you can learn from our website. And uh, our goal is to help make education better in this country. So Vincent, I wanna thank you again for the time you've spent with us today, uh, the insight that you've given us. Any final thing you'd like to say to our listeners today? Yes, um, uh, <laughs> extending the, the last point that you made. Um, one thing I was actually very proud of, as you can see from my post, that I was very focused on my children's education in school. I was volunteering myself. And most of the time I was like the only father. Most of the time it's mostly mothers who volunteer in PTAs and mm -hmm. uh, school activities. So I was very much involved because I thought I have boys, so I have to be more involved uh, in the uh, equation of uh, father or mother who is more involved in their studies because I thought it's my responsibility. And in spite of me being remaining very active, quite interested in their education, I still didn't know who my school board member was. I still didn't know how many school board members we have and what decisions they make and where they meet. I had no clue in spite of me being heavily in, you know, invested and interested in education. So the first thing as a small thing that you can advise is for people uh, who cares about education is to know that who your uh, local school board member is and mm -hmm. establish a link. And that's a person who can take whatever you think to this decision-making bodies. Excellent. Small first step. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Vincent. And uh, we really appreciate it. No, thank you so much, Melvin, for having me. This is, this is great. And I really appreciate you considering me for this, uh, this talk. If you enjoyed today's episode of The State of Education with Melvin Adams, please subscribe and share our podcast with your friends. We're able to continue sharing these podcasts because of generous support of our donors. If you'd like to learn more about the work we do at the Noah Webster Educational Foundation, visit our website at www.nwef.org.